Welcome everyone to today's Salon Talks. I am Marsha Guerriere, the founder of Her Sweet Spot, and I'm excited to bring to you this afternoon's, it's still Women's Month, guys, and we're celebrating, on, we have been celebrating all month long the amazing accomplishments of so many women. And today's guest is just another phenomenal leader in the space in corporate America that I want to bring to you today. Letitia M. Robertson is the North American HR Awards and Ranking Lead at Accenture and founder and chief visionary of Lead with Letitia LLC. She is the HR executive with over 18 years of um, experience incorporating her knowledge and experience into developing and implementing talent programs for nonprofit organizations and Fortune 500 companies. She was recently appointed to lead Accenture's new HR awards ranking and brand expression team, where she collaborates across the business to curate and present the best of Accenture while also focusing in analyzing and actioning on Accenture people's experience. She is also the founder and chief visionary officer of Lead with Letitia LLC, which she empowers women to navigate and ascend in their careers with confidence. To learn more about Lead with Letitia, please visit her website at leadwithletitia.com. And so we're going to bring her in right now. Hello. It's so great to have you here with me. We we have newly been introduced, but we have spoken on a couple of occasions and the conversations get so good that I'm like, oh, wait, let's save this for the talk. Let's save this for the talk. <laughs> And so I have been um, admiring you from a distance for some time and really watching some of the videos that you've had and introducing you, talking about your uh, empowerment and blending those two. And I can't wait to get into some discussion with you today. And, you know, today's conversation is talking about fighting unconscious bias. And it's so funny that I use that term. Uh, to name it, because I think that's something that's been like kind of widely used to have this discussion. But I personally think that there's really nothing unconscious about people's biases. And I call it natural bias, personally. Mm -hmm. and what is your take on that term? I know you've had a lot of discussions talking about this as an HR leader. Yeah, I actually agree with you. Um, you know, Bias is a bias, whether it's something that you learned or whether something that you think, you know, we use the term unconscious bias, but we really are conscious about it. Now, I say all that to say, um, we were talking right before we started, but I, um, on Wednesday, I was on a panel with Diversity Inc. And the panel was about microaggressions. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I talked about was, you know, really understanding the intent of microaggressions. And there was a question that came through. It was like, well, aren't microaggressions and unconscious bias the same thing? And my response was no. no. It's, it's not the same thing. I mean, microaggressions can come in so many different forms. It can be, you know, a joke. It could be an insult. It could be, you know, something truly innocent. It could be something that's said in email. It right. could be something that, you know, is, is posted on social media, whatever the case may be. But it is something that is done consciously, like you right. said. So although the intent may not have been to offend someone, 
Um, it was something that was done consciously. So the comment was made consciously. The interaction was had consciously. So right. I would have to say that I agree with you 100%. Yeah, I think uh, uh, people get a little shocked to hear that they have those natural biases, but the truth is, it's not negative. And I don't know why people put such negative connotation on having terms like white privilege and 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 natural or or biases because we all have them. Yeah. It's not just one particular particular group, right? And when we talk about biases, there's just so many to talk about. There's race bias. There's gender parental, you know, we're both moms. And and now we add in sexuality as part of the mix, right? As women of color, we get hit with all of that, you know, all of it. And we have so many, so many things to struggle with and to, to fight with. This last year highlighted a lot of these uh, disparities for Black women in particular. I want to ask you, how are you, how are you doing? as a leader fighting for women, right? And yet still being that person that is getting hit from every side. Like how are you, how have you managed this past year? It's been hard. I think for the first time, I really was at an intersection between being a black employee and being a leader within the HR organization. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that because there were a lot of things happening. And there were days, Marsha, where I had to show up to work, but I wasn't there. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I had to be there at work, but you know, my mind was somewhere else. You know, my mind was worried about, you know, the families that are out there struggling. And my mind was worried about, you know, people who were losing their jobs. My mind was worried about, you know, these kids who are falling behind the curve because they're not really learning when they're at home. I mean, there was just so many things happening. And there was a time where I had to really like just sit back and consciously say, like, who am I going to show up at today? Like, am I going to show up with my employee hat on and really say what I mean? Right. Uh, or, and, you know, as a black employee, what I think this organization should do or what we should do better? Or am I going to show up, you know, with my leader hat on and, you know, just put on this smile and just go with the flow? There were a lot of times where I had to do that this year. Um, and it is always a, a hard decision to make. But this year was the first year I actually felt like torn between, you know, am I showing up as a leader or am I showing up as a black employee because of the role that I'm in? Right. You know, I'm in a role, you know, prior to this new role that I've been in for about four months, I was a diversity and inclusion practitioner. You know, my job was in diversity and inclusion. So, you know, I was very highly involved in, you know, writing these statements that our CEO was going to say in response to, you know, the death of George Floyd. Um, or I was very involved in the Building Bridges webcast that, you know, we were going to put on where we were bringing our leaders in and our people in to talk about their experiences with racism. Within the like I was in the trenches with a lot of this stuff and it was really hard. Um, and there were times where I would get emotional yeah. just listening to other people's stories or even sharing my own stories of, of what it's been like to be a black woman in corporate America. Um, I can imagine. I, I've yeah. spoken to many um, DEI or DNI, depending on the organization, uh, leaders. And one of the things that I hear is especially because many of those roles are filled by black women. Yes. It, it, it's, it has to be, like you said, so challenging to have the uncomfortable conversations with leadership and to give them the guidance and to, to, to sort of put out an agenda that they should follow 
What do you feel when they give you the pushback? Like, how do you manage that as a sister, as a woman? And they're not really, what do you do when you connect with a leader that doesn't connect with what they should be doing? So I think that's when it gets real. And that's where you have to be transparent about your own personal experiences and what you feel like in order for them to see. Because a lot of times you're right. It's a lot of people, women of color in these DNI roles. And, you know, we're talking to a lot of people who just don't get it. They don't understand because it doesn't affect them. It doesn't affect them personally. So they don't have to get it. So you have to really, for me, what I do or what works for me is I break it down in terms that they'll understand, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, I know you don't really get what I'm coming from, but let's just say, for example, that your wife or let's just say, for example, you know, your daughter or, you know, someone in their family and you equate it to, you know, something that they will understand. That's how I'm able to really get the message across. Mm-hmm. It's just saying, okay, let's take a step back and, you know, where I'm going to come into your shoes right now. And I'm going to give you a scenario that is applicable to you that is similar to what our, our people are going through. Mm-hmm. And that's what they get. It. So you really have to meet people where they are. A lot of times your story isn't enough because they just don't get it. They don't understand your story. So you have to make the story about them and you really have to come to them and explain it to them in terms that they're going to understand. So that's how I have been successful when I feel like, you know, something just isn't right or we should do something differently and really steering them in the direction of understanding Mm -hmm. and understanding and awareness. The awareness is there um, and the awareness is there in a way that it hasn't been before. I think this pandemic, you know, if this pandemic wasn't going on, a lot of the things that were happening wouldn't have gotten the attention that Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm glad that now the the Black Lives Matter movement is a lot larger because there's a bigger audience now because you can't turn your head. But there were still people, Marsha, who just it was just went over their head like just a normal day and just did not affect them in any way, shape or form. And that's okay. Right. But then you have to come in and when you're talking to them like, okay, I know this doesn't affect you, but what if this happened, you know, at your church? Right. What if this happened, you know, at your your you know your child's soccer team? Like, you just have to really break it down in terms that they understand, and that's how I've been successful and really, you know, steering the wheel a bit. Yeah, and, and when it comes to the microaggressions and those aggressions that we were talking about a second ago, how, how do you help people see that they are being? aggressive in how they're talking to you or handling you without it being confrontational or can it be such a discussion without it being con- don't touch my hair because you know <laughs> well you know hair's a thing for me right because you know, that's, how, okay. <laughs> that's how we want to respond don't don't go there so how, how do you make it non-confrontational you know i'll give you an example and this is uh you know we talked a bit about parenting bias And a lot of times as parents, there are a lot of microaggressions that happen to us as parents as well. But, you know, about a year and a half ago, right before, you know, everything shut down, I had traveled to a conference and there was a colleague that I hadn't seen in in a few years from another office. And, you know, work in the room, everybody's talking. He makes his way over to me. And the first thing he says to me is, wow, I'm so glad to see that you're here. But where are the kids? So for me, right, that I that was a microaggression. That was yeah. absolutely a microaggression. Yeah. And I, because I know him, I understood that his intent was not to offend me. But I wanted to make sure that he understood that he did. 
So at that point in time, I had a conversation with him and I just said, you know, well, hey, Mike, why did you ask me that? And he paused. He's like, well, where are your kids? Like, where are your kids? And I said, would you have asked John where his kids are? Right. And he paused and he said, no. Why would I ask John where his kids are? They're they're at home with their mom, with his with wife. Mom. Right. And I said, so why isn't that the same with me and my kids? Like, why aren't my kids at home, you know, with my husband? Or why does it matter? Like, my kids are safe wherever they are. They're safe. They're protected. They're covered. That has absolutely nothing to do with me being here. I said, and you asked me that because I am a woman. Mm-hmm. And I said, let me ask you this. Is that a question that you ask a lot of women who travel? And he said, it is. It's a conversation starter for him. <laughs> and right? a conversation breaker because you make us <laughs> feel uncomfortable with that question. <laughs> but, you know, I was the first person who said that to him. Like, I understand. Like, And I said, I, say, I understand that your intent was not to invent me. You mm-hmm. were just, you know that I have kids and you were just trying to make conversation. Yeah. I said, but, you know, that isn't a conversation that you would have had with a man, right? Because you already know where his kids are. Or you think right. you know where his you kids think. are. Mm-hmm. But you're making an assumption, I say, and that offended me. And I'm sure you have probably offended other women as well, but I don't want it to happen to someone else. So that's why I'm having this conversation with you, because clearly you don't understand. And right. we kind of laughed about it. And he was like, you are absolutely correct. I will never ask another woman that again. And he was like, so tell me, what can I say? I was like, you can say anything. You can ask her, how was her flight? Right. You, know? you can ask John. What would you ask him? <laughs> You could probably ask her the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You can ask me how my flight was. You can ask me, you know, what breakout session I'm looking forward to attending. Like, you can ask me a lot of other things, but you don't have to ask me where my kids are as if they should be attached to my hip. Yeah. Right? And it is absolutely baffling to you that I'm here and, yeah. you know, because I have kids. So, that is an example of a microaggression and how I chose to address it by really understanding the intent and not trying to embarrass him or make him feel bad about what he did, but actually just explaining like how it made me feel and how it may have made others feel and how we could do things differently going forward. Now I've heard, heard, and I, you know, I'm on, on the Twitters and, and black women are tired. And this past year we have been like really, really, put in charge of explaining these things, like having this conversation over and over again about so many things as black women, as moms, all of that, right? Mm-hmm. Should we, do we have a right to feel like we, do, we don't have to explain it to you, go look it up, read a book? What, what, is, your, <laughs> what is your thoughts on educating others about this bias that they have? Yeah, you know, I absolutely got to that point where I was like, stop asking me, right? (laughs) And not saying stop asking me, but one thing I have been doing is saying, you know what, you've heard enough from me on this topic, you know, why don't you ask someone else, right? And I will provide a name of someone else who they can connect with, right? Or you know what, you've heard enough from me on this topic, but wouldn't it be great to get a different perspective from someone else? Right. Like, so why don't you ask, you know, X, Y, Z? I know they would love to talk. So now that's what I do. So instead of me just saying, no, like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. You know, I will be clear that I've talked about this enough. Right. And maybe you should ask somebody else. Yeah. Because a lot of times, you know, the people are extending an olive branch when they come to you. So when they come to you and they ask you, like, well, what do you think? Or what is your opinion? Or can you tell me more about this? They're coming to you because they trust you. 
Right? And, they, and they know that you're going to tell them, you know, what they need to know or you're going to educate them. And you don't want to, you know, just tell them no or just don't answer them. But if I answered you before or if I answered you enough and I think somebody else would love to talk to you because there are people, right, who love to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Team to talk about it, but we as black women, a lot of times we're just tired. tired. Maybe I'll send him to a black man, or maybe I'll send him to you know another woman of color who can offer a different perspective. So still, you know, it's very similar to what you're asking, but she's telling you from her experience, which is going to be different from mine. So now you have you know diversity of thought. So and instead of me just saying I don't want to talk about it with you anymore, I just you know recommend that they go talk yeah. to somebody else so they can get a different opinion. I love that point that. Uh, speaking to another person of color would bring you a different opinion and a different perspective. We don't all share the same perspective. We don't all have the same voice and, and we there varies and levels to each and every one of us. Yeah. I want to go back to um, your, your, your role as a mom and, and honing in on that conversation as a working mom. Your company recently did something super amazing. And I want to ask how, how involved were you in making that decision happen? So I believe, and, and please correct me because I'm going to make it, I'm going to say it wrong, but they've invested so much effort into actually hiring on purpose women moms that are either re-entering the workforce or just looking for advancement. Can you tell us more about that initiative? So I was not involved directly in that initiative. That is an initiative that has been in the making for a while with the Mom Project. Um, and it's based out of our Chicago Midwest market. So our Midwest team was, you know, very involved um, in making that project happen. But, you know, there has been, you know, with our, our, our CEO, our global CEO, Julie Sweet, is a woman. And Julie is very, 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 like, she just... She is a leader who, you know, she kind of she sets the example for women within the company. You know, she is very protective of her time. Like, you know, like when she's with her children, she's with her children. You know, she is always very supportive of women. And, and I know Julie personally because when I used to work in government relations, which is a whole nother thing. I'm a lobbyist by trade, which a lot of people don't know. That's how I actually started at Accenture. Julie was the general counsel. Wow. So I worked with her, you know, directly on a lot of things before she became North America CEO, before she became global CEO. But Julie has just always been supportive, you know, where she, where she is as a mom and making sure that women know that they can ascend and, and move to these types as a mom. So Accenture has just always been just a really great company for moms to work. I've never, ever felt like I've had to choose while I've been at Accenture. And everybody's just, you know, very open to it. Like everyone knows my daughter, right? Because she comes and she's welcome to be on Zoom calls or even when I was in the office, like I would bring her to the office. And it's just a big culture like that. And we understand Accenture that not all companies are like that. So, you know, we wanted to really, I mean, even if you just think of like our global management committee and, the, you know, all the women that we have on our global men, we have a lot of women in very high power positions and they are all moms. So it is something that, you know, we are very passionate about is making sure that moms know that they are welcome and that they have, you know, flexibility while they are working with us. So I'm excited about the mom project. I'm excited to be, you know, all the moms who are going to come in and be, you know, the bosses and rock stars that they are. Yeah. Without feeling like they have to hide that part of their life. 
You know, you don't have to make excuses when you have to leave early for soccer practice or for a dance recital or when you're late for a meeting because you were in the carpool line for too long, right? Like a lot of times, you know, women will be looked down upon for those types of things. But now it's like, it's, it's we embrace it. And even me, like I have a culture with my team where we are very transparent about the things that we're doing. So not just in your motherhood journey, but if you want to take a yoga class and you're leaving early to do that, do it, enjoy it, right? Like if you need to flex your time because you like to go to Trader Joe's in the middle of the day because nobody's there, do it, like go and do it. I think we just need to get, you know, more comfortable uh, with really just setting that culture around like transparency. Because for me, I don't believe that there is work-life balance. Um, You know, a wise leader once told me that it's all about life integration, right? Right. And stop trying to put all these parameters around what's what and just figure out how to make things work for you. So I try to, you know, set that example as a leader, you know, for my team and, you know, just in general. And Accenture is really great with that. So I'm excited about what we're doing with hiring moms um, who are re-entering the workplace because a lot of times women take off um, from attorney leave and they come back and their role is gone or it's gone to somebody else. And now they want you to find new things, right? (laughs) Like we know how it goes. I know all about that, yes. Yeah, you shouldn't have to. That should not be something that you're thinking about while you are, you know, at home. So it's going to be a, a really, really, really great initiative. Once I mean, we've already started, but, you know, once we get in and we really start to meet all these new moms and they get into these roles and it's going to be a great thing. So I hope that more companies start to embrace moms because, you know, we bring so much to the table just from being moms. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we are yeah. leaders at, at from without having any formal education as moms, we we have been uh, training ourselves and upskilling ourselves at home. And so and think I think about multitasking, right? Like oh God. who else? Who else can manage multiple projects than moms? Right? And, and and actually do them successfully, where <laughs> the returns are actually met with applause and um, um, success. So I think, uh, you know, it's a big miss when you have companies that don't see the value in advancing women. And and I applaud your your company for doing so. Um, With that and knowing a little bit more about you, in your bio, we shared a little bit of your personal side and very just a little bit. I want you to, I mean, I'm so upset I didn't get like the real scoop your bio, like your bio is so much more than what I read, right? And you merge your passion for um, being an HR leader and developing people's um, careers. And you did that by starting your own organization, doing just that, empowering women outside of just your job. Because you could do that at work and then go home and just like have a margarita and be easy. It takes a lot to now turn your hat from employee leader and then become and do extra work. Yeah. For what you do. What drove you to create this space where you can continue to help others navigate their career growth? Yeah. So it was one of those things where it just started happening organically. Like I found myself like connecting with women and really helping them to think through like what their career strategy is. Like, so what is going to happen next? But then also, I was just like really 
growing like my network and my connections and you know just really starting to bring more women together for these networks so i thought about it and i had a friend say to me and she was like she's like what you're doing is so great she's like you know you've gotten people jobs you know you've gotten you know people you know speaking opportunities and this is all throughout like the goodness of your heart and just because you love doing it so why not formalize it like why not make it a brand why not make it a business right mm-hmm. like this is something that you're doing she was like you could you know you need a web like you just, people just need to really you know know more about like what it is that you're doing and your website is beautiful by oh, thank you gorgeous loved it thank you so you know people just need to know so i'm writing more like i'm just writing or i'm writing articles more you know i'm posting a lot more of my content so like you know, recordings or when I'm talking, but, you know, I started doing career strategy sessions. So where I really like you think about it as an HR professional, HR executive, like I can really help guide you through like where you're trying to go and what you need to do and what are your next steps. And for me, the biggest motivator was when I think about when I first started my career, if I had somebody who was really helping me think through what the next steps are and who had been there and done that and was really just helping me navigate and extend, like where would I be? Right. Um, I am her. So when I think about who I'm trying to serve, it's me. Yeah. It's me. Right. These are all the things that I know that I could have benefited from and that I am still benefiting from. And I want to be able to offer that to, to others. So that is how I started Lead with Leticia. And it's been great. Um, and now I'm just trying to find the time to do that. Right. So to do Lead with Leticia and to be a mom and to be a wife. Oh, and to also, you know, have this huge job at this huge corporation. Right. But because I love doing it, like, it just comes naturally to me. So, oh, great. I have a strategy call on a Saturday morning. Let's do this. Like, I'm ready. I have my coffee here. And then we'll start up with a conversation about that. So what do you like to drink in the morning and why? And does it ever get cold? And that's right. a question that I always ask. Because then that's why I understand, like, we can't even prioritize drinking our coffee on time. So, <laughs> yeah. We I never get cold. I love my coffee in the morning. <laughs> so it, it, what you're saying and, and what's so unique about her sweet spot is that we are all working women that are um, validating, I call, uh, validating ourselves through entrepreneurship. In a lot of cases, we are um, self-promoting and, and, and increasing our wage gap with our side businesses. And people are often looking for what is that I can do? And you just summed it up. You took your passion, what you're already good at, what you've already been doing and and listen to others that said what you do is valuable and you can monetize it you can make that a legal formal business and i will say that her sweet spot will be contacting you to help us with our efforts because we do do leadership circles and i would love to hire you to um host a circle um we bring in guests such as yourself to to do that and so uh, I think what you're doing is amazing and I appreciate you. The next generation of leaders will appreciate you um, for all that you are doing. Um, I I appreciate you being on this call with us today. Before I let you go, I do want to ask you, mm-hmm. what are your views on what women can do to fight all the biases that we face? How? Wh- what are the things we talked about trying to find balance of what really is that being harmonious or not? 
we face those things daily. What is that one advice you're giving the women trying to do it all? One, two, three, four, all of that. What What is your advice? So you're going to laugh at this, but I always say be John, right? <laughs> like show up and be John. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that. And I love it. Yes. yes, John. Yes. What would John do, right? John is not going to sit over here and twiddle his thumbs. Like John is going to make it happen. If John doesn't know what's going on, he's not going to let you know that he don't know what's going on. Yeah. You know, like is John going to think about, oh, how am I going to manage this? No, John's just going to make it happen. So a lot of times, I think we as women we limit ourselves because we're always looking at it from that lens. Like, how am I going to come across if I say this? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be too aggressive or, you know, how is it going to look if I can't take this on? You know, mm-hmm. it's going to look like I'm weak because I'm a woman. But no, just do you. Like, just yeah. be you. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Without that gender lens, like just take the gender lens away and just be Marsha. Just be Letitia. Just do what you feel is right and what is on your mind and heart to do. And yeah. just kind of- I love it. Thank you. Thank you for those words of wisdom and just sharing and being open with us about your your personal um, struggles and challenges as a leader and helping women um, in their advancement into leadership. Absolutely. I'm happy to do this. Have me back anytime. This is so much fun. And just remind everybody where we can find you before we let you, you go. Can- you can find me on my website, leadwithletitia.com. Same handle on Instagram. So I have an Instagram page. It's at leadwithletitia. And then also on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Letitia. M, little initial for Marie Roberson on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you again. Well, guys, I'm so happy and thankful that you guys could be here with us today. Remember that Her Sweet Spot is a private network for women of color advancing in leadership and entrepreneurship. And you can register for a free account and get access to all the tools and resources and phenomenal guest speakers such as Letitia through our Her um, Herbi Salon Talks. Uh, go ahead and register for your free account. And until next time, when we empower each other, we all rise. Bye-bye for now.